Hey folks, before we get started here, uh, I want you to take a minute and check out our main page, thefedorachronicles.com, and I want you to check out our incredible sponsors, Trinity Whip Company, Landry Artifacts, and Chester Cordite. These people provide incredible products and incredible services that um, just have to be seen to believe, and they have been gracious and generous enough to help support the fedora chronicles radio show and all the other things that we do so please be sure to do yourself and them a favor and check them out this is the fedora chronicles network this time on the fedora chronicles radio show we talk about listeners' comments about our last show, crazy theater owners who insist on showing garbage that panders to the least common denominator, the role retrocentrics and diesel punks should have in teaching the public about the history of the jazz era, how the jazz era stylist movement has outlasted the actual jazz era, and how we have become an offshoot culture all our own. We also share spoilers of the upcoming episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So I get, I, we got some, we got some positive and negative reaction from our last show when we were going off about Black Friday and and talking about fashion. It was Tone Wilson himself who said, um, "This week's episode of the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show is brought to you by Get Off My Lawn." <laughs> hey, you know, it, it takes all kinds, brother. I know, I know. And it was, it's funny to look, go, listen to and go back to and, and uh, with a fresh set of ears and sort of like say, I don't regret anything I said. I, I meant everything that I yeah, said. Yeah, I, 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 we didn't sound like a bunch of grumpy old men, did we? I, I, yeah, maybe it, a little bit. If we did, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> So what? So you, you, do you remember that comedian, uh, Kevin Meany? He was a stand-up comic back in the heyday of 1980s, early 90s stand-up comedy. You yes. remember when stand-up comedy was everywhere? He he used to do this bit where he ended his act singing, "I don't care, I don't care, my jokes don't go over, I don't care." <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's so much to talk about and there's, I have no idea where to begin. Um, and I had, well, I, go, you, you go ahead first. Cause I know you have a rant building I up do, inside. I do. So, you know, since we're, since we're referencing being, uh, curmudgeons, um, I, I don't understand the world we live in right now, Eric. Last episode, I was so excited and we talked about the upcoming release of The Shape of Water. Now, it released to limited theaters on December 1st, and the nationwide release is supposed to be this Friday. Now, Nashville was not among the cities with the limited release, so I did not get to see it on my birthday. And as of this moment, 
There are no theaters that currently have it listed for Friday's opening in Nashville. The only theater that has it listed is the local art house theater, the Belcourt Theater, and that's not until December 15th. And I have got to ask this question. In what world is it acceptable for a masterpiece film like The Shape of Water to not be in every theater in the country when freaking Bad Mom's Christmas is? <laughs> this one. What in the world? This is just, this is not right, Eric. No. It, it is wrong, and it is an affront, and I am offended, and I, you know what? We know now that if you're offended, you can, you know, take action and get things done. So I want to know who I got to drag into court, who I got to embarrass, who I got to shame into getting this film in every theater in the country because it's 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 an outrage. It's unacceptable. And the thing is, is it is getting decent reviews, I thought, on Rotten Tomatoes last time I checked. It's it's getting phenomenal reviews, phenomenal reviews. I I think that it's I don't know. it's this is another case of the movie is better than what we deserve. It's it's better. Yeah, than, it could be. I, you look at you look at some. I mean, Tyler Perry's Medina's. Boo two makes how much how much oh, money? God. How is that fair? I don't mean to sound like I'm whining. How is that fair? How is it that you have these movies that actors and producers just crank them out like they're sausages and they make money and yet somebody pours their heart and soul into some celluloid and they can't even break even? I, I don't understand. It's because, well, <laughs> you go ahead. I have a theory. Well, look, it, you know, movies like Medea and Bad Mom's Christmas and Happy Death Day and what else, whatever, whatever else, you know, is out there that the, the dr saw, return of saw, return of jigsaw, whatever the drivel is that is out is playing to the lowest common denominator. So it has the broadest appeal possible. Um, but it's cotton candy, right? So I, I describe this to my students when I'm talking about writing and creating material. There, There's a place for cotton candy. You know, when you go to the circus, you want cotton candy. When you go to the movies, you want to eat popcorn. And, you know, cotton candy tastes good. It's, it's fun to look at. It's, uh, you know, bright and colorful. Um, it's a lot of fun. But it can't, it, it's not nutritious. It's not good for you. And if you eat too much of it, it will make you sick. And that's how I see a lot of these films, movies, not films, movies. Right. Because there is a difference between a movie and a film. And I love both. There's a place for both. Sometimes I want to sit down and just watch a good, fun movie like Thor Ragnarok or, 
you know, one of my guilty pleasures is uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's yeah. just a fun movie. I, you know, I don't have to think about any nuances necessarily. I just need to enjoy it. Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. It's a fun movie. But I can't sustain my appetite on fun movies. No. I've got to have more than the cotton candy experience. And, you know, I don't know. That's how I see these movies is cotton candy. They're great and they have a place and they have a purpose. But, you know, they're not the meat and potatoes. They're not Blade Runner 2049. They're not Casablanca. You know, they're not, uh, hell, they're not even Star Wars, The Force Awakens, or Last Jedi. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and it's, it's phenomenal when you hear people getting excited about movies that you know that they're going to be really bad. Um, like, or during the 80s, kids would freak out because they were going to see the latest Friday the 13th movie, which I think they should have stopped after the first two or three, maybe. Three tops, maybe. And it it's just, for me, it's... Um, I, lo- I love Doctor Who. I, 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 especially the fourth Doctor. I love watching the episodes of the fourth Doctor um, when they used to air on, on PBS in, in the late 70s, early 80s. And the thing is that we got... We got um, Brit box recently and I cannot really sort of stand to watch more than one or two episodes a night because um, it's just not that sophisticated as I remember it I mean it's fun and all like that it's a little cheesy it's campy I don't think I could do a 48 hour Doctor Who marathon on Brit box I, I don't think I can do it there's just there's so much of a good thing that you can have Without saying, I, I want something more of substance. Um, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm I'm listening to this audio book. It's called um, Night of Flames, a novel about World War II. It's a historical uh, novel written by Douglas W. Jacobson. And it's an amazing story about one family's ordeal in occupied Poland and Czechoslovakia during World War II. And husband and wife sort of part ways accidentally. And one joins the um, Polish resistance and the other one joins the French resistance um, with this with this little kid in tow. How, how and the, how, how is this book not a blockbuster? How come this book is not flying off the shelves? But people will read Fifty Shades of Grey <sighs> and all of its sequels. I mean, why bother? Why bother? So, you had another rant that you, I think you wanted to chit chat about. Well, no, that that was it. Uh, you know, just I, I, I I'm so disappointed. I, I'm hoping to God that maybe the times in the theaters just aren't listed yet. I mean, I don't know. At least, at least, Eric, Last Jedi is on its way. I'm actually excited about Jumanji. Yeah. I think that looks like a lot of fun. Again, cotton candy, but fun. 
Yeah. Um, and and really excited about the new movie about one of my heroes, The Greatest Showman. Yes, um, yes. The movie about P.T. Barnum. It's a musical, but it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Apparently, it's it's not it's not historically accurate, but but it's still it's still no, looks like it's a, still looks like it's a fun movie. Yeah. I and any I'm going to tell you something right now. Any any more Star Wars talk is is going to have to wait until after the movie is over. I don't want to speculate about it. I don't want to talk about spoilers. I I I have I'm now in a Last Jedi blackout right now. I'm not even going to going to making Star Wars dot net. I just want to go see it the way I saw the original Star Wars movie. I don't want to know anything. You know what? I, I am with you on that. I um, you know, I, I'm 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 over all of the theories, speculations, and not just about Last Jedi, about any movies. Right. You know, well, here's our theory based on the breakdown of the trailer, and here's what you may have missed. And I'm, you know, I'm like, you know what? We, we're in the good old days where. You stood in line for half a day to see <laughs> yeah. Return of the Jedi, hoping to God that you saw, you know, the the things happen to your favorite characters that you thought should. You had no idea what was going to happen exactly. in this movie. Exactly. And and you know you come into it fresh and the, you're completely surprised. And, you know, I, I miss those days. I do, too. I, Tom I, Wilson, you're, you're going to have to say it again. This episode sponsored by Get Off My Lawn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, sure, it sure is. It's, it's, it's the negative side of the, the Internet. And I, I wish it didn't exist. I, I, I mean it. I mean, this is from somebody who runs a website. There are aspects of the internet that I wish that it never, it never existed. Like people who will beat to death a movie even before it comes out. It's sort of like I remember. I don't know if you remember the original MTV where they actually had music videos and some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is that um, when the Flintstones movie came out. And, and MTV was doing a Flintstones marathon. And it, Alan Goodman said, yeah, we're getting you ready for the Flintstones movie so that when you sit down with your drink and your popcorn, you'll be all set. And I'm kind of like, by now, aren't you sick of the Flintstones? I, 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 with all the hype that goes around a movie, aren't you sick of it yet? I mean, well. It, let me let me just say something about the Flintstones. That movie was absolutely horrible. However, Halle Berry <sighs> still to this day, still to this day. I I, I want one. <laughs> it's, it's like chocolate or vanilla. Which would you like? I mean, it was. Because she is, I mean, and it's one of those mysteries in my life where it's just like, how come she's not a bigger star? How come you look at women like Halle Berry, how come she's not a bigger star? Did Die Another Day kill her career, essentially? 
Or or was it Was that uh, the James Bond movie? Yes. No, yeah, I, you know, I think I I don't know that um I, I think she's definitely B-list. Um I don't know that she's A-list, but um I think she deserves to be A-list. Holy cow. I think she is the most beautiful woman on the planet Earth. But that's just me. Well, um I I don't I don't agree. I don't I don't think that I don't think she's that beautiful. I think she comes a distant second from my wife. Well, that's very noble of you. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll and and I'll my tell, wife knows you. I feel this way about Halle Berry. Okay. Um, and and she's okay with it because she feels the same way about Hugh Jackman. See there, so. you, see there should be another movie with Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry. They should be like the Myrna Loy and William Powell of of the two thousand tens. You know what? I I could dig that. I could get into that. Have Hugh Jackman play the grandson of Nick Charles. It, it, it writes itself. Remake the Thin Man movies starring Hugh Jackman and Haley Berry as Nick and Nora. And if you don't know, what yeah, I, I like that idea. Hey, get my people on the phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's do hey, let's do lunch. One of the topics I wanted to talk to you and, and the rest of the world about, and this might be another example of um, get off my lawn. Uh, and I asked you about this and every once in a while, the topic, I think the topic needs to come up in the context of what's going on in the world right now. Uh, yes. Diesel punk and ethics and diesel punk and history. First part of this is that should we be a barometer or a sounding board or, or have the clarion call for ethics? Should we, should we as diesel punks say, Hey, listen, we need to sort of clean up our act, clean up some of our potty language. Um, Focus on, on, quote, values. I hate that. Values, unquote. Or do we just let people just be? Do we, do we let people just be who they are and do what they want to do and let, allow them to suffer the consequences? Your thoughts? Um, both. So, you know, it, I think we have a right and a responsibility to you know to to tell people or or to let people know that some things we find unacceptable or that we think need to be tempered um and and there's a a big part of that you know not that we're being authoritarian just the opposite you know because let's say uh you know someone just has a, a a foul mouth. Right. And every other word is the F word in print and in spoken word. Well, you know, that's part of our contemporary culture. And I rankle against that. I, I do not use that kind of vocabulary in my day-to-day -day life online or in person. I just don't. And that kind of my push against contemporary culture and, you know, kind of my uh, counterculturalism uh, in in action, my punk in action, yeah. in that you know I I use more creative 
language than than expletives. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, I, I think we have the right and the responsibility to express our opinion. Um, people hearing it have the right to completely ignore us. Of course. And and you know if if we are speaking words of sage wisdom and they choose to ignore us and they suffer unfortunate consequences, then they have to deal with those consequences. Yeah. I I do think, you know, your question to me was, do we have a responsibility to, you know, be the educators of, of history? Yeah. And I, I think absolutely we do. I think it is for those of us who have studied history and understand history, it, it is of paramount importance yeah. that we speak that knowledge. And there are, because there are a lot of really, uh, really profound warnings in history. And we see so many of those mistakes of the past being made again yes um you know so we so i think we absolutely need to uh need need to speak that one of okay so here's an example eric yeah so a lot of people are are and this is not to get into a political discussion but a lot of people are posting online you know about the pending Republican tax plan. Looks like it's going to pass and be signed into law. And a lot of people are saying, hey, the climate in, you know, 2017 feels a lot like 1928. And we all know what happened in 1929, right? Right. Suggesting that because the Republicans were in control in 1928 and they made you know, decisions that impacted the country, we fell into the Great Depression. Um, what what they're failing to understand about history is that we did actually learn from that those mistakes. Yeah. And Wall Street and, uh, well, the federal government um, built in safeguards into the banking system and – and and Wall Street to prevent that from happening again. Yeah. And and so, you know, w- could we face a recession? Sure, we've we faced recessions, um, multiple recessions. Um, are we going to go into another Great Depression? No, because this is one time that we actually learned from, from history. But it irritates the fire out of me, Eric, that people don't know enough about history to be fully in you know to to really be intelligent about it they they know enough to be dangerous exactly i think the issue for me with everything that is going on with this is that i have seen i've seen this happen before i've seen the same exact thing happen before but with different names attached to it i have witnessed i'm i think i'm counting three quote Republican civil wars, unquote, which have led to, quote, Republican revolutions, 
whereas the Republicans get to the point where uh, they um, they could become complacent. They become entitled, like they're entitled to your vote. They're entitled to be in the majority. And then they get corrupt, and then they make bad decisions, and then there's an uprising. Because the thing is, is that when, when the Republicans get sort of like corrupt and bloated and a little too entitled, that's when the Democrats are having an interior war within themselves. They straighten their act out. And then there's a uh, Democrat revolution. The Democrats come into power and then they become complacent and then they become entitled. There's this reciprocal thing going on. You're going to see you're going to see the majority switch back and forth several times in your lifetime. And when it happens, it's not the end of the world. And if it is, what are you going to do about it? Why are you destroying the now? Why are you picking on Uncle Bobby or your crazy Uncle George? Because he doesn't see the politics the way you do and destroy your relationships on Facebook because you don't agree with somebody political. Well, here's here's the here's one of the big ones that's driving me crazy right now. The the debate about what we should do about North Korea. Well, I think it's pretty clear. And and if you've studied history, you know that there was a ceasefire. A a, a not a not a peace treaty, a ceasefire and there were terms agreed upon for the ceasefire to end the Korean War. Yep. And under a ceasefire, the war is not actually officially ended. No. And if and if one party violates the terms of the ceasefire, the the action I, I you pick up right where you left off. And and where we are today it would be within our full rights under the the ceasefire to fly right over there and bomb the living daylights out of them sure for violating the terms of the of the ceasefire yeah and and maybe you know but but people don't know the history of the Korean war and or they're not taught it or they don't care enough about it to know that you know what's happening today is a direct result of what wasn't finished back in 1953 what was it 1953 yeah you know if we if we had actually finished it and gotten them you know gotten a surrender things would be very different today oh absolutely but you know that I mean, but that's that's coming from a perspective of someone who has at least yeah. invested some time understanding the history, and and when we live in a nation that is so historically illiterate, yep. it just drives me insane. And you know, we as diesel punks, history is is a big a big part of our. A big part of our passion, you know, we talk about this all the time. We're not reenactors. We're not trying not to at all. recreate not- or return to that time. But there are there are aspects of of the past that are very important to us that we love and adore and embrace. 
And because of our passion, we study the history. We want to know as much about the actual time period as we can yeah. so that we can you know, build that alternative future, the future of tomorrow through yesterday's eyes. But yeah. You can't do that if you don't understand yesterday's eyes. No, I mean – I think that one of the things is like we love to play the game of what if, what if, what if, what if this, what if that, what if the United States did not bother to get into, you know, the war in Europe? What if we focused only on Japan? What if we just let Britain just struggle on its own while we take care of Japan after they bomb Pearl Harbor? You know, what, what would what would have happened? We play these speculative because the thing is that you have to know history before you start playing with it. You need to know what the rules are before you can start to break them. And we, we play this we, this game all the time. And, and one of the things I like to do is, is like I like to observe specific little anniversaries about what had happened, you know, way back, you know, in, in World War II. And I, another aspect of, of this, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to offend some people, but I don't care. Um, cause the people who are going to be offended by this are people that I don't think that I care about their opinions. I think that there, there's something about us that we love having a bad guy to rail against. We like having a bad guy who's easy to hate. And the president of the United States, when he's, when he's a bad dude or he's from the other party and he does things that you don't agree with. It's easy in the United States to talk smack about the president and say that he's a bad person, whoever he is. I can go back as far as Lyndon Johnson and tell you from personal experience, whoever the president is, people love to beat up on him when he's doing a horrible job because we get to exercise all of this angst. We have no control over the other aspects of our lives. But we can hammer this guy who is from the opposite party who's doing a crummy job because it makes us feel empowered to fight this dystopia. And this is another thing I had said before in the past. We love dystopic futures. We love dystopic movies. We love dystopia when it's in books or comics or video games. Wolfenstein is a perfect example. Why is Wolfenstein so popular? Besides the fact that it has a, a really great storyline, you get to kill Nazis for hours on end. And we like that. We like, we like fighting dystopia. We want dystopia so we have a legitimate thing to fight about. It's why we're so obsessed with World War II is because you have a legitimate enemy that everybody can agree on. Like if it's if it's like somebody else, like if it's the if it's the mafia, you can kind of you can kind of like get on their side a little. I understand that bootleggers during prohibition. I understand the allure. Not everybody agrees that bootleggers were 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 doing a bad thing. But when it comes to Nazis, man, when it comes to Nazis. They're, it's an easy target, and that's why everybody likes to use, he's a Nazi. And that's that's my theory. Hey, you know, Eddie Valentine might be a bad guy, but he ain't working for no freaking Nazis. <laughs> I love that movie, and I love that line. I may not make an honest buck, but I'm 100% American. 
and I don't work for no two-bit Nazi. Yeah, Rocketeer for you folks who did who, who didn't recognize that uh, that line, but uh, it's like. Um, but we have to sort of like watch ourselves. We sort of have to watch um, our 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 piety, as it were, our holier than nowness, as it were, and not get too wrapped up in in pointing the fingers and and saying poo poo to people and and become like evangelists because no, you know, I, I think in the marketplace of ideas that everyone has a voice and. Everyone has an opportunity to pick and choose what they what they like, what they don't like, and and leave the rest behind. And, but you know, I, I think we do have at least the responsibility to present uh, historical fact and context whenever possible. Yeah. Um, but um, speaking of historical fact and context, here you go. Have you seen the uh, trailer for The Darkest Hour? I have. (laughs) (laughs) Gary Oldman is Winston Churchill. I cannot believe, one, that that is Gary Oldman. Two, this movie looks spectacular. Yeah. I'm, I'm not real big into biopics. Right. But, but. When you got Gary Oldman, who, in my opinion, is one of the finest actors of the 21st century. By far. By far. In in the 21st century, he is by far one of the greatest actors of all time. Uh, I'm sorry. In this decade, he is one of the greatest actors. Yes, absolutely he is. And, um, and, and again, just judging by the trailers... The movie making, the cinematography on this thing and the technique is, I mean, it really looks great. And, you know, of course, you know, the the bombing of London, you know, I think I think it's a part of World War Two that is overlooked a lot. Yeah. But but, you know, I've always wondered Man, how did how did these people even live day by day, and and you know survive this? Because what a horrific experience that 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 was going on. And I think this movie is really going to capture that, and capture the uh, the optimism and the hope yeah. that Churchill instilled. Um, I can't wait to see that. It just looks like one of those movies where it's just like, I mean, great oogly boogly. It it looks like it's exactly like the movie that I, I wish Dunkirk was. Yes. It, yes. I, I, I do wish. And, and that's my only reservation, Eric, is I'm like, OK, I, I don't want to get too excited about this because this is how I felt about Dunkirk. Yeah. And I was really let down by that movie. Yeah. Um, and, and but I gotta think. Go ahead. Yeah, man, Gary Oldman. I, I I just I I gotta think that this has the potential to just be one of those real special films. Yeah. No, I I it's it's one of the it's one of those, um, and and I feel like we should have one of these films every year. That is like the go to um 
one of those go-to movies. Every year we have a really great um, World War II era movies to, 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 to go to and see in the movie theater. It's like it's one of those things where it's like, and, and, and you know what? I mean, maybe maybe I beat up on this issue a little bit too much. Maybe uh, maybe I mention it too often. But the thing is, is like, I, I think that we should have like some kind of like really great period film as part of our communal experience as diesel punks. Does that make any sense? Um, it, it's like what Star Wars is becoming. Like now we're getting to the point where there's there's a new Star Wars movie every year. And it's being released at a, at the same time of year um, for a couple of years in a row, and this has become kind of like our communal thing. And and I think that it's like the, there should be sort of like one movie that we all gather around in the theater once a year and say, "That's it. That's our movie of the year." Hmm. That's that's interesting. Um, I mean, if I were to pick one, I would pick The Shape of Water. But, you know, that might not even see the light of day at this point. Ugh. <laughs> well, you know, I did. Uh, I was I was hoping that uh, Murder on the Orient Express would be that kind of film. Yep. It, it was a good movie. It was OK. Um, it wasn't like, you know, dynamite. Um, I enjoyed it, but you know, it, it, it is just kind of what it is. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. You know, I, it, it, it looks beautiful. It's a beautifully well-made movie. Did you see the movie? It's hateful eight. I did. What, you know, that movie was a collection of spectacular individual performances. It was. But, you know, as a story, there really wasn't much of a story. You know, people holed up in a blizzard, you know, in a powder keg situation for eight hours. Right. Um, You know, it was just a a character study, a slice of life, so to speak. Exactly. But, But a great collection of individual performances. And that's how I felt about Murder on the Orient Express, that it was a really nice collection of individual performances. Yep. But you know, you know, talking about that communal experience, that 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 is something that is kind of missing from the diesel punk community. Yeah. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Our buddy William Jackson, I think, kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit. That you know, when you look at diesel punk media and the literature. Really, until there's a ba- – you said people like a good bad guy. Yep. Until there's a bad guy or a cause, diesel punks or people of the diesel era, you know, tend to be very individualistic. Yep. And I think diesel punks tend to do that. We're not necessarily introverted. We're just very much – you know, right out on our own, just doing our own thing until there's something to cause us to rally together. Exactly. I thought that was an interesting observation. Yeah. And he's right. So, I mean, and, and that was in the context, that discussion was in the context of, you know, why aren't there any big diesel punk conventions or 
gatherings at Comic Cons. And when when he he kind of put his finger on that, I, I was like, "Holy cow, you're absolutely right." Yeah, we, we need we need a a bad guy. Yeah. But a real bad guy, not a straw man. We don't need a make-believe boogeyman when there's plenty of causes for us to rally against or rally for in 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 our community. Well, yeah, I, and that is assuming, of course, that you know people see Dieselpunk as a true social movement and not just as a fun, you know, alternative genre fiction hobby. Yeah, well, which, which go there's ahead. a little bit of both. Yes, it's a combination of the two. It is a lifestyle and is a hobby. What of it? No, seriously, what of it? What? It, what? What if it is? What if it's a combination of a social movement, a hobby, and a lifestyle choice? What would be wrong with that? I mean, in this day and age, what's the point? Not a thing in the world. You know, which which brings me to and I've and I've posted this on Facebook tonight. And you can just you could you could either go to our Facebook group, either uh, Fedora Chronicles um, and uh, and Diesel Punks. And somebody had sent me this this link and I thought it was awesome. And I read it and I was like, oh, my God, it's it's true. I'm going to read you the headline and I'm going to ask you what you think. Are we living in the new swing era and the the author uh who wrote this over at the costume rag um wrote and said that the diesel bunk era has exceeded the original swing era if if the diesel bunk era began in the 1980s like you and i believe because well i mean we were there um what we're doing right now is diesel punks has begun to eclipse the 20s and 30s and parts and 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 the and the first half of the 1940s whereas we've been doing this this whatever this is longer than what the original jazz era stylists did so are we, are we have we eclipsed that era and now that era is now living in the diesel punk shadow. Does that make any sense? Well, I don't know. I, you know, I had never thought of that before. And, and I'm reading the article right now. And, and, you know, they're, they're saying that our, the current swing era and whether you want to call it, you know, the new swing era, the diesel punk uh, era, or, you know, wh- whatever term you want to use, uh, 1980 through today. And, I would have the Renaissance is yeah. what he's calling it. Um, yeah, I would, uh, I would buy into that. That's about right. You know, Indiana Jones through, you know, today. Yep. Um, I can, I can buy into that. And yeah, um, the original swing era was 35 through 46, but you know, it's actually, uh, referencing the Savoy ballroom, which was from 1926 through 1958, which is the heart of the diesel era. Yeah. 
Wow, yeah, there's a lot to digest in just this short little article. I know. And I just read the whole thing while you while we were talking. That's why I saved um, it for last. Well, it shouldn't be the last thing, though, Eric. No, no, because the thing is, there's so much there. I, I, you know, I knew that this was going to be the last thing we were going to talk about tonight. Oh, but it's not the last thing we're going to talk about. Oh, it's not. <laughs> no. Okay. We we can circle back to this though. Yeah. Because because obviously you didn't read the news or see my message about the news. I did see the message about the news and I thought since it's your news, I thought that I should allow you to tell the audience about it. Well, so it, it ties right into this article. So 1980, you know, we're talking Indiana Jones. And today, there was an announcement that Netflix is going to be producing an Indiana Jones prequel series around the character of Marion Ravenswood, starring the actress, what is her name, Natalia? Uh, this, is the, I... this is the first time I've ever heard of this young woman. So, however you pronounce her name is the correct way for now. Well, now I did, I accidentally closed the article, so now I got to find it again. Doggone it! Don't you love that? Do 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 do. Natalia Dyer. Uh huh. Yeah, is going to be uh, Marion Ravenwood, and uh, that's all we know. That's all. We, that's all you should know. That's all you should know. Why would you want to know more than that? That's it. That's I know. All. I want to see it. That's it. That it's one of it's. It, listen, this this is like one of those things. Whereas, okay, there, there's going to be a new blank movie coming out. That's it. That's all you need to know. Go see it. It's probably going to be good. Um, it's sort of like Stranger Things. Did you ever get to see Stranger Things? I love Stranger Things. Okay. Because the thing is, is that when they said Stranger Things Season 2 was coming out, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear anything. And my sons stayed up all night and they binged watched the entire Season 2 of Stranger Things. And I, and I worked that night and I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and they just finished up and they were going to say, Dad, blah, blah. I said, uh-uh, nope, uh nope, nope, don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. All I want to know is if it's any good. That's all I want to know. And it's like when they said, oh, man, it's, 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 it's even better than the first season. I, I, I don't want to hear any more. And the thing is, is that they were absolutely totally right. It's sort of like this thing with like if they were going to if they were going to do an honest to goodness, real sequel to Indiana Jones or if they were going to do. And I think Pixar should do this. I think Pixar should make Indiana Jones movies in the same style as The Incredibles. Um, with Harrison Ford doing the voice. So then you could do anything. Just do, th just do three or four movies. Pixar, Indiana Jones movies. And make it everything like what um, Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow could have been or should have been. Just do that. That's fine. Just do it that way and just say every year we're going to have a brand new Indiana Jones movie. Oh, that would be great. Wouldn't it, though? And you know, 
they they kind of played with that in the movie Up. Yeah. You you remember the character? What was his name? Um, he was an Indiana Jones character, right? Of course, he turned out to be the bad guy. He was vo- he was voiced by the incredible Christopher Plummer. Yes, yes. Oh, that would be great. Wouldn't that it? would be great? Wouldn't so, it though? But yeah, so we might get an indie prequel. But uh, not to not to to uh, take us off track. The, are we living in the new swing era? I don't think so. I think we might be living in a new, I mean, a, a, a new renaissance era. Right. Uh, I, we might be living in a new retro future era. Okay. Let, let's put it that way. Um, because we are seeing a resurgence of of so many retrocentric you know art forms yes. music and fashion and and whatnot and you know the the article that you reference you know was talking about the the endurance of you know these swing dance nights yeah and and here in Nashville we've got two of them one on Monday night one on Thursday nights um you know the the Gatsby parties are huge all around the country. Um, you know there is definitely a love affair for the diesel era for the jazz age. Yeah, but you know, can we say that we're in a new swing renaissance? I don't think so because it's not the prevailing musical choice, although. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy did just release a new record. I know. Louie, Louie, Louie. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's an interesting question to ask, though. Well, here's my perspective. If you're done part, uh, pontificating, because I might be a little long-winded with this. Go ahead. Okay. Lay it on us, brother. All right. It's whatever this is, whatever it is that we enjoy, you and I have been doing it for most of our lives now. I, I like to think. Yes. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm almost 50, and I've been doing whatever this is, you know, wearing 1940s style attire, 1930s and 40s style attire since 1981 in some way, shape, or form, whether it's strict retro reproductions or whether it's vintage or whether it's retro future everything that i've ever worn since 1981 has had the the retro vibe and i've been living on the retro vibe most of my life um maybe three quarters of my life and i don't have the urge to ever stop and the thing is i'm starting to think that the jazz era style is our demographic. And I've said this before. This is our demographic. This is, this is our group identity. We want to embrace the 1930s and 40s style aesthetic for the rest of our lives in so many other aspects of, of our lives. I mean, when I, when I pick out a laptop, I want it to have that sort of diesel punk retro futuristic vibe to it. It's how I pick my furniture. It's how I pick my clothes. It's everything about it. 
so much about my life. You can see little nuances of the jazz era style. And this has been going on for so long that the length of time that I've been doing this and you've been doing this and so many other fellow diesel punks have been doing it. It's like it's exceeded the length of the original jazz era and through the 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s. I, I, I think. And I think that this is this is the point where it's like now we have ownership of this style. That the diesel punk style is here to stay to some way, shape, or form, and and we are we are a subculture, as it were. The jazz era aesthetic aficionados has become a subset of culture, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would I would agree that that is that is absolutely true, and and um. Yeah, and I've lamented though that you know part of the issue is that we're we're still a little bit scattered and dispersed because some people are you know sw- swing aficionados and or they're rockabilly or they're historical reenactors or they're cosplayers and you know to to William's point and and. There's there's not been something to unify us for every for all of the retro future aficionados to say yes we are a community yeah in total this is our umbrella mm-hmm. and that yeah and I think that with the issue with me and everybody else is that um. With so many people poo-pooing social media, if it wasn't for social media, we we wouldn't be able to find our tribe, as it were. And I think that we should look at this is one of this is one of those um, articles that I'm going to reference in my seminar about diesel punk when when and if I ever get invited. When I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to do Dragon Con and other conventions, and when I talk about what is diesel punk, I'm going to reference this article. I think that we're going to look back at this and say this. I think that this is the moment where we say this is when we really started to come together as as a global community. Um, I don't know if we and I I don't think that we need to be so um, conspicuous and have like, you know, diesel punk pride parades and stuff like that. But I mean, I mean, who knows? But I think that there's I think that there's something that we have to realize is that I mean, I for one, if I don't have that jazz era aesthetic about me uh, i feel naked i feel like i'm missing something there's something not right in my life and it's something that's like i I, it's like i need i need this jazz era aesthetic and it's and there are other people who feel the same way they feel as if they have to feel they have to dress or be a certain way for them to feel complete or or normal or comfortable and i think that I think that that's something we need to embrace in ourselves and and not beat ourselves over it because we're different than everybody else. And I think that we should like be like what Larry would say, you know, be kind to one each other because that, that's what life's all about. And we need to embrace that in the diesel punk culture. I can dig that. So. So anyway, John, I mean, I, I you know why we were going to. 
I was going to bring up the whole entire issue of celebrities dropping like flies because of their own misbehavior, but I, I don't know if we need to say anything about that. I think it's. I think we can leave that one alone. I, I, I think the issue's taking care of itself. I don't think yeah, we need I to do, do anything. <laughs> yeah. So. So anyway, that's unless you have anything else, as my as my therapist used to say, well. Well, Eric, our hours are just about up. Is there anything else you really need to say before I let you go? Is there anything we need to say before we need to let you go? Um, well, I'll save my next rant about digital media for our next episode. Oh, so I, I, that I love because I think... I think you and I can have a friendly, heated discussion about this. I, I think you and I are, are, are on two different sides of this issue. Maybe. I, I, I need to gather some thoughts about distribution of media in digital format. Yes. But I've got a rant coming. I feel like I should I should in, insert the Jaws theme here. It's like it's coming. <laughs> it's like it's a shark under the water. John's rant. And uh, before we do go, I, I do want to remind our listeners that on the Diesel Punk podcast this week, we have released our Christmas music special. The Diesel Punk Retrocast by DJ Swag Commander Eugene John, and uh, he has put together an awesome, awesome mix of swing and and electro swing for the Christmas season. So if you're looking for that Christmas party soundtrack, look no further than the Diesel Punk podcast and DJ Swag Commander's music special, the Diesel Punk retrocast that sounds awesome it's awesome it's a great listen to it really is it's one of those things where it's just like um it's it's uh it's something that can't be missed it's something that you should download and and uh listen to during your commute it's a hoot it's it's what my grandfather would call a hoot (laughs) that's fantastic yep so John, what another great show. So we have some other other topics to talk about. Um, I'm going to have um, a quick little movie review for you um, uh, coming up for the next show. And uh, but I'm not going to spoil any any of that. So but uh, uh, you're not going to tell me at least what the movie is. I'm going to see Wet my whistle. I'm going to wet your whistle. I want to do a compare and contrast with Key Largo and Miller's Crossing and, and what they have in common. Sounds great to me. Yep. So what are you working on this week before we sign off? I am taking a little bit of time off. Just, um, you know, uh, Enjoying the holidays with with friends and family, and um, maybe making a trip up to northeastern Ohio for the funeral of a friend. 
if if not for the funeral, uh, at least to go visit with the uh, the family uh, next week. So you know that's kind of on the radar. But uh, getting ready for the first of the year, man. Um, January sixth, I, I guess fifth through the seventh. Uh, I'm gonna be at ShadowCon mm-hmm. doing the uh, Big Daddy Cool and the Bombshell Kittens thing. And then uh, just a few short weeks after that, I will be the Diesel Punk Guest of Honor at Anacrocon in Atlanta. What the, what state is Anacrocon again? Uh, it's in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, what are the dates? February. Oh, it's in February. That's all that matters. Yeah. All right. All right. So we'll talk show dates more often, and then and then we'll I also um, one of the things I'm working on right now is my presentation on 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 what is diesel punk for conventions come you know coming to a convention near you. That's it. Absolutely, it sounds great. All right, John, take us out. Well, on behalf of Eric Fisk and the Fedora Chronicles and the Diesel Punk Podcast, thanks for tuning in. And as always, swing hard, swing off, and we'll catch you on the flip side. See you next week, John. Talk to you later, brother. This has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show and a co-production of the Diesel Punk podcast. You can find out more about us by going to our websites, thefedorachronicles.com and dieselpunks.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can find these links on our home pages. Be sure to visit our sponsors, Chester Cordite, Landron Artifacts, and the Trinity Whip Company. Also, check out the friends of our show, Penman Hats and Reconstructing History. Once again, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off, and keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>